Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of On the Shoulders of Giants with Rabbi Shmuel Bloom. Today, we're going to be talking about the Moetzes Gedolei HaTorah. Rabbi Shmuel Bloom, who took part in many meetings of the Moetzes Gedolei HaTorah, and was zochet to learn from Gedolei Olam on almost a daily basis for over 45 years. And today, he's going to be taking us behind the scenes with incredible stories, insights, and how it is to be living side by side with the giants of the giants, and much, much more. So, let's get right to it. I'm Yisrael Yudkowski. You are listening to the Foundations Podcast. Emunus Chachamim and Daster. Sometimes they're interchangeable, but very often they 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 we have to really they they mean different things. Emunus Chachamim is almost blind that Hakadosh Baruch Hu says Lasosim Mimit. Don't turn right or left, whatever the Chachamim say. That's that's what we have to follow. Um, you think it's right, you think it's left, doesn't make a difference. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave over the Torah, a Torah Shebek and a Torah Shebaal Peh. And the Torah Shebaal Peh is given over from Midor Lador, even though we now have it in writing, but it's given over to the Chacham, and the Chachamim of each door are the ones who determine what the Torah really means, what they've learned from their Rabbeim, will learn from their Rabbeim, who understand that. Um, the importance of of uh, listening to the Chachamim and and the effect of it, uh, probably the most fascinating um, the, the thing I, I can say was, was the f- famous, uh, the Michtam Elio um, wrote a letter to somebody who asked him, how come the Gedolei Yisrael is before the Second World War didn't recommend the people should go to Eretz Yisrael? And because of that, he was saying, because of that, so many people died. And the Michtam Elio says, most of the people who ask the question aren't looking for an answer. But I happen to know the person who wrote the article, the, the, the letter, and I know that you're sincere. And so I'm going to explain it to you. I'm going to explain it with the story of, of, of Purim. In the story of Purim, Achashverosh made a party for all the, all the people of the world. He was the king of 127 Medinas. He invited everybody to a party. Unfortunately, the story was that it was the party to celebrate the fact that the Jews are not going to get back to Eretz Yisrael. That was the underlying mm-hmm. reason. And Mordechai said to the Jews, you don't go. And they said to Mordechai, are you crazy? Everybody's going. The king will kill us. We're going to go and boycott the, the party of the king. Sakhanas He rules over the whole world. Sakhanas Nefashas. And he says, and therefore we have to, we, we have to, to. And Mordechai said, no. Stam other things. Mordechai said, no. The Jews said, I'm sorry, Mordechai. We have no choice. We have to go. Sakonis the Farshas, they went. And you know what happened? Nothing. Everything went along fine. It was fine. As they, 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 the party ended, and uh, Vashti got killed. Um, but everything was, as far as the Jews were concerned, everything was great, yeah. they had kosher food for them. They had uh, hashgach on the wine. The, the, everything, everything was fine. Nine years later, Haman, Haman was elevated by Ahasuerus, and he said he wanted everybody to bow down to him. Bow down, it wasn't Avedzorah, 
He had, Tosha says it wasn't that, but the Zori had something around his neck and he wanted people to bow down to him to show that he's the boss. And Mordechai says he's not allowed to. Mordechai, please. If you don't bow down, <laughs> don't he, bow he's going to punish us. He's going like to not... punish us. He's going to kill us. It's, it's, it's a sakon of Tavoshis. Mordechai said, no. So he said, okay, Mordechai, you don't want to bow down to him. And he says, don't. Go walk around the block. Don't go in front of him and stand in front of him and, and like not listen to him purposely show him, to yeah. show that we're not going to bow down to him. And Mordechai says, no, I have to show that this is the right thing. So he goes and he said, he'll kill us. And he says, it doesn't make a difference. We're going to go. Mordechai goes, doesn't bow down. And you know what happens? Haman wants to kill the Jews. You see, Mordechai, we you told see, you this is what's going to happen. Mordechai, you did right. the wrong thing. Yeah. Right? So what did Mordechai tell them? Mordechai says, no, it's not because of me. It's because nine years ago, I told you not to go to Suda Vachashesh. HaKadosh Baruch had Charon He waited a while. But nine years ago, you did that. That's why Haman is coming to try now to try to wipe us out. What's your reaction to that? You know, we could say, oh, if I would be then, of course I would be on Mordechai's side. Like when you say like that, like obviously it looks like everybody, like like he's trying to get out of, you know, the problems that he caused. You know, that's what it right. looked like. That he said by the Suda that we're going to get punished and we didn't. So, okay, whatever. We didn't get punished. Great. And then Haman comes and he says, oh, you're not going to get punished even if we don't bite it, bow down and then we do get punished and it's like, oh no, it's because nine years ago I told you. So it's just so like, oh, are you playing games here? Like, it looks like even worse. He's, and chas v'shalom, that would have been the reaction of the Jews at the time. But the Jews said, Mordechai, we'll do tshuva. You're right. We'll accept it. We accept the munas We accept what the chacham said. Is, and, and the Jews were saved. The Chafetz Chaim was crying out in the early 1930s. He says the Jewish community was was going down. There was intermarriage. There was there was people going away from the yeshivas. When the Chafetz Chaim was supposed to leave Europe to come to Eretz Yisrael, he pleaded with them. He says to please to send their children to yeshivas, not to the secular schools, because who knows what's going to happen. He pleaded and he said Chas v'Sholem, Rabbi Schwab. Um, spent the Shabbos in the house of the Chafetz Chaim, and the Chafetz Chaim was benching, and the whole benching, he benched slowly and nicely and so on. When he came to Rachim, he started crying. Rachim, no, Hashem, and at the end of benching, he said, I don't remember the numbers, of there's many millions of who died in the First World War. He said, that's a kinderspiel, that's a child's play. To what's going to happen? Chas v'sholem. If the Eden don't do tshuva, if the Eden don't come back to the rebbeinu the shalom, and now you want to blame the chavetz chaim, and now you want to blame the gedolei yisrael. Oh, why didn't they tell the Jews when to they leave? They could have saved the yes, whole. Yes. They could have saved if the Jews would have listened. In the generation of Mordechai, they listened and they were saved. And Rachman Litzlan here, they didn't listen, and unfortunately, is we we have we have the results of that. So, listening. Whether you understand it, whether you, is something, one of the, that's something that we have to accept. But I'd like to talk today a little bit more, not just about whatever they say we accept, which we do have to. What I'd like to talk about is the idea of Das Terah. Das Terah means that G'day Yisrael, and in fact, Rav Rudman told me 
that you don't have to be a Gadol B'Yisrael. You can train your mind to have Das Torah, to think the way the Torah thinks. Uh, like meaning that even to have Das Torah, you don't necessarily need to be a Gadol? No. If somebody is is a in Torah, and he learns Torah, and he's involved in Torah, and Reverend me gave me examples of people who so involved in Torah that began to think Torahic. They think the think the way the Torah thinks and the way the Rebbe Shalom thinks. We make our decisions, most people make the decisions based on natural effects. What they think, if I open this business, I'm going to be successful, I'm not going to be successful, I open a podcast, people are going to listen, not going to listen, I take surveys. But some people, and G'dayli Yisrael, G'dayli Yisrael, think differently. They think, what does the Rebbe Shalom want? What value is this podcast? Is this what the Rebbe Shalom wants? Is it going to affect other people? Is it not going to affect them? How is it going to affect other people? Is this what the Rebbe Shalom want of me? So these are the types of questions that are looking from, not from across, but from above. What does the Rebbe Shalom want? And what, what is he trying to do here? He's talking to us, but how do we listen, as we said last week? He's, what, what's he trying to say? And G'dayli Yisrael, who were immersed in Torah, have a special way of understanding a little bit what the Rebbe Shalom For instance, way back a number of years ago, there was a question of me, Yehudi. The question is, who is a Jew who can come into Eretz Yisrael? There's the law of return. Anybody who has one of four grandparents is Jewish, uh, because that was the term of the Hitchel Machshem, I said, is that so he killed a Jew if he had one of four grandparents. So they said that's... A, even if it was the father's father, his mom is not father, Jewish. Father, you know. No, I'm not Jewish, but Hitler... Hitler Hitler would say that's Jewish and we're going to kill them also. So the state of Israel accepted that as a definition of what is a Jew. Hitler was the one who, who, who gave them the definition. So then there were a lot of Russians started coming. And Russians, there was a lot of intermarriage in Russia, and a lot of them came. And the question is, who was a Jew, who was allowed to come to the country? And of course, the politicians, the the. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a negative term, but the 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 shluchim, the agudisual members of the Knesset, were fighting it. We have to understand it's a bad thing to bring Jews. Rabbi Kamenetsky got up at a convention of agudisual, and he had an altogether different insight. He said, "What's the schus hakiyum of Medina Yisrael? And what gives them the strength to be able to exist in Medina?" He's saying for 2,000 years we were in Gullis, and all of a sudden now no, we... more than that. He says the Ben-Gurion and so on, they weren't... The, 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 they the weren't religious, were, They weren't religious, they weren't... Mm-hmm. The, he says, and yet they had a Slusakim. Mm-hmm. What is this? Well, well, and on what basis? Why did they deserve Why does that Kodesh Baruch say that we should have it? And it should, and it should last, and, it should, and it, it should be defended, and it should... With miracles. Yeah. And he said that after the Second World War... The Jews were so depressed that if they would stay in Europe, they would have just mixed with the Goyim. They would have given up. They wouldn't have been Jews anymore. We see in America, when they came among the Jews, yeah. it's a first generation, second generation held on, but without Chinuch, so many of them left afterwards. Today we have such a, a, a major intermarriage problem in America. Yeah. So what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? He took them to Eretz Yisrael. When they came to Eretz Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch surrounded them by millions of Arabs who were dedicated to throwing them into the sea. 
they had to marry Jews. There was nobody else. They couldn't get out. When there was a peace agreement, when Oslo and Rafam was worried because the Arab students started coming into the colleges and they sat next to the to, to the Jewish students. And you see, and Taka, today there's such a big problem with the... With the with, Arabs with, and with, uh, Jews with, married. With, with, with intermarriage. But as long as there's a, with a hatred from the Arabs to the Jews, his, that was able to keep Kal Yisrael pure. That was able to, able to keep even people who weren't religious, but they stayed firm. Yeah, it's so it's so it's so funny to see that even even like aside from like you're saying that Rapam was worried when they had a peace agreement is that normally, like you said, you look at it from the world sense, like, of course, it was the best thing in the world to have a peace agreement. You know, there's always threats and missiles and terrorist attacks. And kind of you have a peace agreement, so you bring that all down. You're saving lives. You know, it's what could be better. But you see the Das Torah, he comes and say, no, you know, this might be a bad thing because now you might have intermarriage. So, so like you see, even though you all the terrorist attacks and wars, but that was one of the things that was holding the Jewish nation together. Um, so like you see also, it's another point of Das Torah is that, that you know, you look at it from Torah yeah. perspective and you look at it of what just makes right. sense. It's two, you know, completely, two and completely different things. That doesn't mean that you want the, don't want the peace agreement. You want the peace agreement, but you're worried about it. And you, yeah. try, you have to be concerned about it. And sometimes is maybe there is a decision. Not to do it. Says Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky is the non-Jews the Gentiles are coming from Russia and they're going to come to Eretz Yisrael and they're going to be in the army and they're going to be in universities and they'll be sitting next to the, in, in, in the co-ed classrooms is the boys and the girls together. It's going to cause intermarriage. What defense will the state of Israel have? What defense will the Medina have? This is what's defending it. And they lose the defense. That's what it worried him. Altogether different perspective. As you say, like Ref Palms also with, with the peace agreement, is because they don't look at it from the way the New York Times, the most the sense, New York Times yeah. looks at it. Yeah. Right? Or what makes the most sense, or what we think it makes the most sense. But they look at it from the eyes of Akadosh Baruch Hu. How does Akadosh Baruch Hu is what, you know, what, what, what does he want? And, and how is he looking at it? And if you look at that, you get an all different, different perspective. And that's the perspective of Dastar. And that's one of the, the, the reasons why we have to ask the so besides the Siyat of the Shema and the and the Amunis Chachamim and so on, but just to look at it from a different perspective, that's such a great valuable. I know when personally um I was learning in the Kail in there, Yisrael, um, and there was a need for somebody to come into work in the office together with Rabbi Neuberger. And Rabbi Rudman called me in. It was back and forth with Rav David, someone I should, I shouldn't. But then Rav Rudman called me in, and he taught me a chassam seifer. The chassam seifer says, Before HaKadosh Baruch Hu destroys Sodom, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Should I cover up, should I hold back from telling Avram Avinu what I'm going to do with Sodom? That's a question. Hey, 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 Sheila. Should I cover it up? HaKadosh Baruch was saying, should I give Nevoah to Avraham Aminu? In Chavdal Sifri Tanakh, in all the 24 Sifri Tanakh, we don't find any time that HaKadosh Baruch should ask, 
Should I give the vuah to Yeshaya? Should I give the vuah to, to Yehoshua? Should I give the vuah to Moshe? HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him the vuah when he wants to give him the vuah. When, he, when, when he you get want to, to give the madrig of the hell having the vuah, you get it. You get it? And, 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 and where he doesn't want to give him the vuah, he doesn't give him the vuah. If he doesn't, wants to, to, to inform somebody something, he does. If he doesn't, what? So, so how come the HaKadosh Baruch Hu over here asks a question in the Torah? The Torah mentions the question. Should I hold back what I said? And the, the, the Chassam Sefer says a, 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 a tremendous insight. He said, in order to be a Navi, like everything else in life, you have to prepare for it. You can't be a Navi automatically. Right? You have to prepare for it. There's Yeshivas B'nai Hanavim we find in Tanakh. Yeshivas B'nai Hanavim. What's the curriculum in that Yeshiva? What do they learn? They learned his spiritus. He says, you stay by yourself and and you have an opportunity to think. And you think and ultimately you separate your Gashmias from the Ruchnias. The we find in the Shivas they were lying on the floor. And then the Shamas went up and to Shamayim and Akadash Baruch who was able to to relate to them and talk to them and, and give them the Vuah. Avram Avinu, says the Chsam Seifa, should never have been a Navi. He didn't fulfill the curriculum. He didn't fulfill the prerequisites. He didn't prepare. Why? Because he was busy with the Yishmaelim and he was talking about Nefesh Yashorah and he's running back and forth and doing all these different things and, and, and helping people and shechting and, 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 and preparing yeah. things, as we saw that he did by the Malachim when they came. B'derech HaTeva, naturally, Avram Avinu should not be, have not have been a Navi. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaMechasa Animi Avram Should I hold back the Madrega of Navua from Avram Avinu? Ki edativ l'man asher yitzave esbonav asbeso achrov. He's doing this in order to teach his children, in order to create children, in order to be Mekadashim Shemaim, in order to let people know about the, the world. He's to spread, going, the, he's, you know, to spread, spread the, world, the word of Torah. The, 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 the whole world. He says, this is, he says, all comes from Avramavina. All the Yiddishkeit, everything that we have comes from Avramavina. He's teaching us. So should I hold back a personal Marjega because he doesn't do the, the prerequisites? So Sam Saif has a fascinating statement. He says it's a haftocha, it's a promise that if somebody works for the Rabbi Nishlalim, he doesn't lose any madrega than he would otherwise have. So Rav Ruderman told me, is you think that you're going to sit and learn in Kailal, you're going to become a Talmud Chacham? I guarantee you that if you work in the office, you have to learn, obviously. I think he told me you have to learn at least two hours a day. You have to learn two hours a day. He says, I guarantee, and the rest of the time you work for the Rebbeinu Shalom, the Rebbeinu Shalom will not make you any less of a Talmud Chacham. I don't know how much Talmud Chacham I would have stayed if I stayed in the Kul. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be any less of a Talmud Chacham than if I would have stayed in the Kul. And Lemay says, I saw it. I saw it in practice. It worked out. The circumstances, I, I ended up staying at Dafyei Mishia for 35 years. To say Dafyomi Shir, you have to prepare a good minimum of three hours. Almost every Magid Shir, you ask them how long they prepare. To prepare a decent Shir, you have to. And I didn't have the three hours. I was working in the Aguda. I didn't have the, the three hours to do. So I used to get up at 4.30 in the morning, and then a half an hour before the Shir, I would look over the Gemara. And I said, I would say, I'm really not saying a Shir. I'm just, I, I made a landing on it, they're looking at it, and I'm saying it. 
but they would ask me questions and I give Rishonim's through to him and so on. It's not because I'm so smart. It was because I had to have tocha from the Chassam Sefer that Rav Rudman gave me. He says that if you work for the Rebbein the Shalom, then you then 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 you don't lose your madrega. Don't lose madrega. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not something that a person can tell somebody from from his own mind. Right? That's something that that's natural. You know, if you go to college, if you take a course and so on, if you study, you're going to know it. And if you don't study, you're not going to know it. Right? Know, you know, yeah. it's not going to fly into your, you know, from your head. <laughs> but das ter is different. Das ter is terror is something which comes from the Rebbeinu Shalom. It's a gift from the Rebbeinu Shalom. And being a gift from the Rebbeinu Shalom, if you work for the Rebbeinu Shalom, the Rebbeinu Shalom gives you the gift for free. So that's another way of, 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 of looking at things differently. Is a different aspect, different different outlook, because you're looking at it from what's the Rebbeinu Shalom interested in, what's he doing, and how does he do it? I've learned in the Torah how does that Kodesh Baruch Hu said. How would one know the right way of you know to balance the learning and the work that you know he needs to do? And I'll throw in also you know family time. You know, obviously you can't just work and learn all day. You need to be with your family. To get married, you have kids. Eight o'clock. So what's the right way to balance between family, learning, and working? There's no simple answer to that. As an aside, mm-hmm. but you have to go to your rebbe. A person has to have a rebbe who knows him well who is interested in his welfare, who doesn't have Nagiyas, because a person that always has his own Nagiyas, we spoke about that the, the, in, in the first yeah. time with, with Get Dylan. emotional, what you feel, this is too hard, this is, oh, right. you know, I'll do that That's instead. You so you have to share it with somebody who thinks with Daster, mm-hmm. somebody who has learned her, as a Rebbe who has your interest in heart, and sit down and discuss it with him. And the answer will be different in different circumstances and different people. Everybody's the different individual and everybody has to make the decision based on the discussion with somebody who's going to guide him and, and follow through on that. There's the, not everybody should be learning all the time. Not everybody should be working all the time. And, everybody, and I can't say one third, one third, one third either. Mm-hmm. There's the different circumstances. It's not a one size fits all. It's, it's each, each person, person each, each, place, each, yeah. each person has, has the, um, has to think that way. And could, could these things change from time to time? It could have, let's say, you know, when you're younger, you know, to learn half the day and work half the day, and then once you get older, is work less and learn more, or, you know, the opposite? A, like, a person has to be flexible. A person in life has to adjust with what the opportunities are and what HaKadosh Baruch gives him. And HaKadosh Baruch gives us Nisianus all the time, different circumstances. And if the consultation with a Muraderach with somebody who, who who you have confidence in and he has confidence in and he understands you, he says to direct you on in a way that's that's best for you. Mm-hmm. And if if let's say you know you have a certain thing that you know and you went to your rabbi, you spoke it through and he said, Oh, you know, this should you know you should be doing A. And then, you know, later on, you know, a similar situation comes up, should you still go again to your Rebbe? Or should we, oh, last time it was, you know, the same situation. He told me to do this. So, um, you know, he's probably going to tell me again to do this. So, you know, should you rely on that? Or again, every time you should go to your Rebbe to discuss it with him? I, I think it's Kedai uh, to, to be in constant contact and to regular contact with, with, with the Rebbe. Um, circumstances change. And sometimes decisions change. We'll, we'll have an opportunity to talk about the, the terror decisions mm-hmm. that, that changed 
uh, with different circumstances. Um, the the um, uh, I remember a meeting of the Metzisk Teleatera. Actually, it wasn't the full Metzisk Teleatera. It was Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky and Rabbi Shneir Kotler and the Belushi Berebezech at Sadiqim Lebrocha. We called it a meeting because we had a request from Iran asking whether they should leave Iran. This is like the Jewish community? The Jewish community. Mm -hmm. Jewish community, whether they should leave, whether they should leave Iran. And the, the question was that, you know, say, of course, you know, let them leave. You know, if they can come out. First of all, it was dangerous to come out. A lot of them came out through the deserts and, 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 and got smuggled to, to Vienna, mm. to, there, to wow. several different places. It was, uh, um, it, it wasn't easy. How long ago was this? This was in the beginning of the 1980s. Ah, oh, not too right. long ago. Not too long ago. So then the time when I was in the Agoda. And the Iranian Rescue Committee was a group of Balabatim from the Agoda who formed the committee, who, who paid for the smuggling, who helped them. And when they came to Vienna, set up programs for them, and, and then ultimately got them to yeshivas. It all started with the, the, it started, again, the Rebbeinu Shalom was prepared the, the, the refuah before the Maka, uh, Rabbi Naftali Neuberger, the, the, later the president of, of yeshivas Nei Yisrael, the brother-in-law of Rebbeinu who I worked for for a number of years, um, had a nephew, uh, Rabbi Shachatovich, who was hired to take care of the Chinuch in Iran during the time the Shah of Iran was, was, was still there, which was a good situation for the Jews. And they had a network of schools, and he invited Rabbi Neuberger to come to visit him in Iran. And he went and he visited, and um, he said what we should do is take a group of 10 Bachrim, and bring them to Yeshivas Ne Yisrael, and they should learn to become Rabbanim and go back to be able to teach in the community in in, mm-hmm. in, in Iran. And that was this, well, the the refuah before the Makkah, because when the Shah of Iran was overthrown, and uh, uh, Khomeini, um, Ayatollah Khomeini took over and made it dangerous for the Jews, and the Jews couldn't have so much freedom of religion and teaching over there in, in Iran. Um, there was some place for them to come. So there was something to come, and they had some, some leadership, some, some guides in, 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 in Yeshivas Ne Yisrael. But the question was, should we recommend teenagers to come out of Iran? No, obviously, why not, of course? Why not? Because in Iran, there was no such thing as intermarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was intermarriage in the community, the yichus was, was pure. If there was uh, one or two intermarriages in the whole country, in a year, that family got ostracized. Um, nobody would talk to them. They wouldn't have any dealing with them. And the yichus was pure. Every Jewish boy married a Jewish girl. There was no such thing as marrying a, 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 a Iranian non-Jew. When they came out, and many of them came to the colleges, they went to Iowa, and they met Goyim. And there was no community control. So it started being intermarriage. First time in the history of Iran, the Iran goes back to the time of, uh, they, they, they went to the, the kever of, of, of Mordechai and Esther. Wow. They didn't come back in the Bayesh. Many people didn't come back by Bayashani. They're still there from, from, from Bayes, from Bayes Rishon. Wow. And the community remained pure. 
come almost no no intermarriage. And here they come to America, and they fill into the America quagmire, and you have starting having intermarriage in America. So, do you recommend them to come to America, stay in Iran, where at that time it wasn't sakonis nefoshes, it wasn't comfortable, and when they had battles with Iraq, they would put the Jewish boys out in the front, and then it was a little bit of sakonis nefoshes. On the other hand, they're staying as a Jewish community, and there was an active Jewish community there, and, and a Torah community, and come to America, maybe go to the colleges, maybe intermarriage. What do you do? So they ask the Mesquitele Torah to, to, to give guidance. And as I say, we couldn't get everybody together, but we had the Blue Shiva Rebbe and, and uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky and Rabbi Shneir Kotler, and the, pres- the two sides were presented to them. And in the middle of the meeting, your great uncle, the Blue Shiva Rebbe, started shaking. He said, I can't stay here. I can't stay at this meeting. In front of my eyes is the fact that in Europe, before the Second World War, I had an Elaine Sikatochta, I had one single daughter. And she had got married, and I had an Elaine Sikatochta, she had a baby girl. And in the 19, late 1930s, early 1940s, they tried to decide whether to leave Europe or stay. And they decided to stay. And I lost my one and only daughter and my one and only granddaughter. How can I tell a mother to keep the child in danger? I know that the situation is different. The Muslims are not the Germans. Right? Well, some say they're with their worst, but they don't go killing. They don't. They aren't going out killing Jews. It's dangerous. It's but it's not the same. How can I tell a mother I can't stay here? It's going to come. The decision is going to come from I, emotional I part. So yeah, come from emotional part. He says, I, 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 I can't say. Say, and he got up and left the meeting. He left the meeting. The decision ultimately was Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky's. The Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky said, those boys or girls who we know are coming to America and are going to go to yeshivas, to Neyusurot, to Long Beach, to Skokie, we organized the many yeshivas, they took they took Iranian boys, and went to the Beis The girls coming to the Beis we should encourage them to come out. But those who are going to go to the Jewish community, the general community, we should not encourage them, we shouldn't discourage them. We shouldn't mm-hmm. give them an answer. Let them decide on themselves, whatever they'll do. Whatever they do, they should do the right thing. So like who, whoever decides to come, we'll give them all, yeah. you know, all the help they need, but like we right. won't push them to, right. to do it. We won't encourage them to come. Mm-hmm. That was the decision. Now, about, I don't remember exactly, about 10 years later, there was a meeting actually in Camp Aguda of the Metzgele Letter, Mm-hmm. where at that time there was the Iranian 12, they put in jail the people, the one who gave out the Pirche prizes in, in Iran, the one who worked with the children and, and so on, is were taken in, in, in jail 
we say because they they, they were training uh, anti-Iranian people, so they were teaching. They were having pirchei contests. They were giving money. Mm-hmm. They were giving money to, to train spies. Is the way they were throwing. and and it was a little bit of a danger. And the question came up again: Should we encourage those who can come out to come out? And there, ten years later, there was an altogether different situation. Because the Talmidim of Nevi and others who had come out, who had learned, now started communities from communities in Los Angeles and Atlanta and in communities throughout the country, in Chicago, in Baltimore. And so there was a from community of Iranians which who could be Mechabal. So that same decision that we don't encourage people to come out 10 years before when there was nothing for them here, is 10 years later, circumstances changed. And the circumstances changed, the message of that changed. The decision was a different decision. So you always have to know, you know, what the situation is. And as situations change, you have to go back and ask again. And sometimes mm-hmm. the answer is different. So let's go back to the beginning of Metzis Gedolia Torah, how it all started, you know, when it all started, and how exactly it works. Claudius Earl, when we think of European Jewry with glamour, we think of the Chafetz Chaim, we think of the Ger Rebbe, the, 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 the masses of Chassidim. So, but the truth is that in the early 1900s, Kaiser was in danger. Is there was a very, very serious problems. And mainly the youth was, we were losing our youth. The Haskola and reform had taken a number of our children in certain countries in Germany, other countries in the late, in the, in the 1880s. And the 1900s, political Zionism, Start taking over cities. Um, my Reverend David Congress told me Cabrin, when he was growing up, nobody would open Mechal Shabbos, Mechal Shabbos for Hesia. It's, uh, it's, it's unheard of. It's unheard of. Right? So maybe somebody smoked in his house when nobody saw. And he says that there were Shashis on. But otherwise, the whole city was from. Came along the political Zionists, and they caught with youth groups. And they started coming to the group, and I said, you know, we're suffering discrimination, everything that we have, it's all because of the, this is because we, we, because we're not recognized, we don't have our own state, we don't have our own language. If we want to build, if we want to have, uh, take care of, there shouldn't be anti-Semitism, so in the way we have to come, we have to have our own state. And really, what we have to keep is the language, we have to learn Ivrit, and we have to have a state like any other nation, other, other nation, I think is a bit, and the youth, Took a, appreciated that. And a lot of them started going. So they started changing. They started Chilul Shabbos. And more and more of the children, I mentioned before the Chavetz Chaim, when he was going to leave Europe, he talks about, he says, you have to save the yeshivas. His yeshivas. The Miri Yeshiva Bachrim didn't get married till they were almost 40 years old because no girls wanted to marry them. There was wow. no, there was no Yaakov. There was nobody trained. They once to marry a, a yeshiva bach. They had the 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 they made plays making fun of the yeshiva bach, making fun of the rabbanim. Wow. So that was. I'd rather marry a lawyer, a doctor. Right. What do you that? That's that, 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 some right. So, so so go to to marry yeshiva bach was was uh, was was looked down upon. Sarshnir changed that baruch hashem yeah. with the Beis Yaakov moment, but but before then they didn't have that. So they had a, an idea, Rainer Jakob Rosenheim and others in the German community, they said, you know, each country 
is, is suffering, having their, losing their battles. But each country has a Maila that maybe the other ones don't have. The Germans are great organizers. They were able to build structure and organize, and they, they know how to, how to build an organization. Later, Alexander Yisrael, Chaim Ezer, Chavetz Chaim, is the great terror leadership of the uh, of Lita. Poland had the masses and had the, the spirit of the Chassidus Sherebis. Germany, uh, Hungary had the rabbinic leadership that fought the reform, the Chassam Sefer, the Talmidim of Chassam Sefer. You know, each one of us is losing our battles. But maybe if we sat down together in one room and we took the German organizers and the terror leadership of Lita and the Ruach of the Sidim and the experience of the, the, the Hungarian Rabbonim and put them in one room and said, maybe we can figure out some solutions. Maybe we can change the tide. If we take the strong uh, you know, parts of parts, each one uh, of the communities and bring it all together, maybe we can figure out. Correct. Uh, smart, right. smart. Right. Okay. <laughs> so they decided to come together and form what later became Agudas Yisrael. Agudas Yisrael was to take all these different groups and sit down. And the first can see, they supported the, the Beis Yaakov, and the Dafyomi, and the, the, a Jewish press, and support for Eretz Yisrael, for a firm community in Eretz Yisrael. Because all these things came, well, everybody had different ideas. But they didn't know how to activate it. They activated through the, 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 the organizers. So you put it all together and they created a new organization, Agudas Yisrael, to bring all the Jews together and to, and, and, and to, 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 to change the tide. Mm-hmm. And to a large extent, they were effective in, in helping to change the tide. And that was the famous video of the Chafetz Chaim. It was from the Ch- first Knesset. Chafetz Chaim in 1923 was the Chafetz Chaim coming to the Xiyadayla and, and, uh, of uh, the story with Rav Meir Shapiro again, you see the, 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 you know, we think the Chavetz Chaim, like a, a, a fine grandfather, a nice, edel, fine person, which he was, but also just the, the Rav Meir Shapiro, who was a young Rav, Chassidisha, young Rav, had an idea. He said, in, in a speech at the Kasekadela, he said, we're coming together, we want to work together. We don't speak the same language. We don't have the same background. We come from different communities. We don't wear the same clothing. Everybody has different hats. How do you expect to work together? So he said, I have an idea. He opened up a, a, a Gemara, and he said, let's look at the Gemara. The Mishnah was written in Eretz Yisrael. The Gemara was written in Bovil. Rashi was written in France. Tesis was written in Germany. And they all sit together on one page. And they all work together. If we expect all of us to come together and work together, there's only one way. If we learn Torah together. Mm. If everybody would say the same daf, learn the same daf. When one Jew comes from one community to another, he drives on the train, he's sitting next to somebody, and they can, have to, they can talk and learn and a Jew comes on, on a boat and he comes to America. After two weeks on the boat, he's been learning his daf and he walks to the, to the east side to, the, to, to a little shul and there's something they're learning the same thing. There's the same daf that he was learning. Same yeah. daf as he was learning. 
That will bring Jews together. That's the way we'll have an Agudas Yisrael. That's why he started the Dafiyami. And he wanted to start the Dafiyami, but not everybody agreed. Not everybody thought that eh, all reasons why it shouldn't. People learned that it's not best for learning. Other things. So, probably now, it, after the fact, you're like, what? How could you disagree with yeah. such a thing? Like, you see the Metlof Stadium, yeah. 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 and everything that's going on. But, yeah. you know, before it was before a thing, that. probably, you know, right. so yeah. much other things. Even now, to think people about. complain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but, but yeah. for the most part, you had that. Mm-hmm. So now they came and they, so the Chafetz Chaim, so Rameh Shapiro, before he made a speech, he mentioned it to a number of people what he what he was thinking, and some were for it and some were against it. You know, Jews like the tumult, mm-hmm. they have all different things. The Chavetz Chaim heard, and the Chavetz Chaim liked the idea. So the Chavetz Chaim told Rameir Shapiro, "We have a meeting of the Rabbonim. Let's say it was at ten o'clock. Don't come at ten o'clock. Come late. Come at ten thirty. Hmm. Okay." Chavetz Chaim told him to come at 10.30. He'll come at 10.30. Chavetz Chaim comes to the meeting. Chavetz Chaim sits down. The Chavetz Chaim leaves a chair empty next to him. And the meeting started, 10, discussing different issues. At 10.30, the door opens, and Rabbi Meir Shapiro comes in. The Chavetz Chaim, he says, oh, Shapiro, he's plump. Please sit next to me. He sat next to the Chavetz Chaim, and the Chavetz Chaim says, I understand you had an idea I would like you to suggest the idea to, to, to all the Rabbani. And once the Chavetz Chaim did that, nobody could say a word. Mm. Right? So that way, I say... He gave it that spotlight that nobody could... spotlight, yeah. and the Chavetz Chaim supported it. So even those people who were against it, they couldn't open their mouths. Mm. So I say, the, the Tamavata, Chavetz Chaim, everybody thinks so. He says, he knew, he knew how to handle the situation, and he knew how, how to develop, and, and, and he did. So at any rate, they started this organization. An organization for Kalyusurl was not a simple thing. Kalyusurl had some bad experiences, Shapsitzvi, where one person became was the leader of so much of Kalyusurl, and when he went sour, when he went bad, there was a crisis in Kalyusurl. So Kalyusurl always had during the Golos, every rov of every city is in charge of his own community. And they didn't have big, broad organizations for all of Klai's, all the world, because if that became sour, something went wrong there, mm. it's a There's no one to turn to. If you have no each community, each even community, if one, one, goes, one bad, goes bad, so they, you still have the rest of them. Exactly. So there were many people worried about making this new giant organization, a world organization, a good world organization, to represent everybody with one leadership, with one community. And so, and also... They were worried. When you have an organization, who makes the decisions for the organization? An organization has Nagias. They want to have members. They have to raise money. The things that have to be done. They want publicity. So they decided they're going to set up a control. There's going to be a control to the organization that the people who are running the organization, what they call the secretaries, right, and the executives in our term, the executive would not be the ones to make the decisions. Hmm. That the decisions should be put into hands of, and they debated the term, what to call it, but the Chavetz Chaim was, was felt strongly, also that it should be called the Mu'etzes Gedoli Hatura. There should be a committee of Gedoli Hatura representing the different communities that make up the body of Kalal Yisrael and the body of Agudas Yisrael. 
And that Muetzik Teodatera should be the ones to make the ultimate decision in policy making for the organization. And that was the first creation of something um, of that sort. It is to run because the danger of having an organization run off by itself and the danger of having a world organization in order to set up the control, they set up Muetzik Teodatera. Oh, and how, how was it, uh, you know, to be, you see, like, Digdela, Ramesha Feinstein, probably Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, and of that, like, you know, all the Gdela Yisrael, the Takasi, you know, the whole, like, back and forth of, you know, kind of behind the scenes of how, you know, we just read on the, you know, Sunday morning newspaper what, what the decision the was. But, but, but to really like to experience the whole back and forth and how everything happened, like how, you know, how was it to be a part of it? The... Uh, I don't know how should I put it, is the thing that got me the most satisfaction and the thing that I enjoyed the most and felt I learned the most from was the fact that, as, as in our Agudasisural, is the ability, the experience, to sit in at meetings of Metzgler and to hear how issues are threshed out and how it comes to a consensus, which is Das Terra, has been probably one of the most gratifying and, and uh, things in in my life that I was zeicha to be able to see Gedalia Yisrael from the first Metzgela um, Torah meetings that, that I attended uh, that had Rabbi Shaf Feinstein and Rabbi Yaakov Kamenitsky to the to the later ones the Nabminsk Rebbe and 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 and, and the Gedalia Yisrael afterwards through, throughout those generations for a period of forty five years to be zeicha to be able to see the growth and to and to see how decisions are made and to see how Das Torah is formed and thought and it was something a very very valuable lesson that. Uh, you know, I have to thank HaKadosh Baruch for the schus to be able to have been a part of. That is it for today. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you learned something new. Hope you were able to put something in your pocket for life. I am so thankful for you watching. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend. Let them know so they can enjoy it as well. And also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up, five-star review. Subscribe really wherever you're listening, Spotify, iTunes, or any other podcast platform. Also, make sure to go check out our website, jfoundations.com. We have more podcasts, videos, uh, Divrei Torah, and so much more. If you have any questions, send an email to info at jfoundations.com or WhatsApp, plus 972-55-711-6220. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week.